Good morning, Christ Central. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors, and it's my privilege to share with you from the Word today. We'll be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. You could turn there in your Bibles. We'll also have it projected for you. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. This is the ascension of Jesus. I'll read this for us. Let's give our attention and reverence for this is the reading of God's word. So when they, the disciples and Jesus, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. Please pray with me. I'm going to ask the Lord for his help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that your Holy Spirit is not bound by space or even time that Lord, wherever your word is preached, your Holy Spirit will do his ministry. We ask now that through, his, through your spirit, you would continue to reach your people. Would you impress the gospel on our hearts? Would you continue to strengthen, encourage, and save? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first human being to ever go into outer space was a Russian astronaut by the name of Yuri Gagarin in 1961. And the story goes, when he reached outer space, he said something along the lines of, I don't see God up here. And later on, it was discovered that most likely he didn't actually say that. But it's still kind of funny to think about someone riding a spaceship, going up into space, and then kind of asking, hey, where's Jesus? Now, what we do know from our passage today is that Jesus did indeed go somewhere. He did physically go to heaven, and this was in his physical yet glorified body. We don't know where that is or even how that is, but the Bible tells us all about it, and it's called the doctrine of the ascension. And although this doctrine is overshadowed usually by other events in Jesus' life, like his birth, his death, and his resurrection— The ascension is still very significant for us today. And here in our passage, we see the poor disciples. Even now, they're still learning. They're still being corrected. Uh, You would think that by now, after seeing Jesus die on the cross and rise again, you would think that by now, they they get it. They have it down. They understand. But even here, they're still being corrected, and they're still learning, just like we're all still learning And the disciples get corrected twice in our passage. And each of those corrections actually give us an insight about the significance of the ascension. The first correction comes when the disciples ask, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus has to correct them. He says, you don't need to know about the timing or what's going to happen to Israel, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will reach all nations. 
And basically he's saying, now that I'm ascending and I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the kingdom you need to be concerned with is not a physical kingdom. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a national kingdom, but it's a spiritual one which will reach all nations, all cultures, all languages with the gospel. And so here's our first point of significance. It's this. The ascension means Jesus reigns in the spread of his spiritual kingdom. He reigns in the spread of his spiritual kingdom. And here I use this word reign very deliberately because we do have to remember that Jesus is no longer the humiliated Christ that we're so used to seeing. You know, on Christmas, we see Jesus being born in a manger. On Good Friday, we see Jesus dying a criminal's death, even though he committed no sin. That is the humiliated Christ. But now, because of his resurrection, and especially because of his ascension, he is the exalted Christ. He is the glorified Christ. It is altogether appropriate to say he now reigns in the spread of his spiritual kingdom. The mission of the church. And he reigns as he reaches all nations, all lands, all languages. As, as the Holy Spirit uses God's people to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's this ever increasing sense of uh, reaching bigger and bigger circles. Even in our passage we see you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. And then Judea and Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. And, it's, and that's a very amazing thing to consider, especially when we think about the origins of Christianity, that it was once a very small group of people. It was this, it was this little Jewish sect. It's hard to imagine that now, but uh, it's actually easier to picture that when we read some of the writings of early historians, non-Christian historians, when they write about Christians in the first century. We see historians like Josephus, Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, who is a person and not a beer. And when you read them, you get this sense that it was so small. Like some of them, they even say things along the lines of uh, having to explain why Christians are even called Christians. They say things like, oh yeah, these people, they call themselves Christians because uh, they follow this guy who was Christ. And some of them even say things along the lines of, you know, these, th- this group of Religious people, they, they still exist even today. And you really get to see, wow, it was once so small. And, and, and then it, over time, it exploded into not just uh, little churches here and there, but into the billions and billions of people who trust and follow Jesus throughout the world. How did that happen? Because Jesus ascended. Because the Holy Spirit descended. And because he empowered the mission of the church to spread his spiritual kingdom. Just read the rest of the book of Acts. You see over and over again how the Holy Spirit would be reaching more and more people with the gospel of Jesus. The kingdom of God. And of course throughout even history and even today God uses his people, all of his people to be his witnesses. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that empowering is actually an absolute necessity. In 1 Corinthians 12.3, Apostle Paul tells us, apart from the Holy Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord. I love this story about the famous English preacher Charles Spurgeon. It said that before he would preach any sermon 
as he took a step up to the pulpit, with each step, he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Because he knew that it wasn't eloquent words, it wasn't insightful arguments, but it was only the power of the Holy Spirit that could change a heart and cause someone to say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus himself says in Mark chapter 13, verse 11, that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say, even in moments of persecution. Jesus reigns, and the Holy Spirit is part of that reign, the work, the ministry, the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we continue to be witnesses to our neighbors, and as we continue to seek ever-increasing circles to the ends of the earth, we can do that ultimately with so much hope and so much conviction because we know Christ ascended and his Holy Spirit is working and moving. We can do this without fear of failure. We can do this without ever really worrying that ultimately the mission will fail. We don't ever have to worry that ultimately the church will fail. Even as we see negative statistics, it's going to happen. Of course, there will be negative statistics about churches dwindling or persecution. But even in the midst of that, we can always remain hopeful. Even COVID-19 cannot stop the spread of the spiritual kingdom. The Holy Spirit is working and moving as Jesus reigns because he has ascended. You know, even having to stay at home and worshiping online only, that won't stop Jesus' reign. And we can sing, just like in the famous hymn, the church will never perish, her dear Lord to defend, to guide, sustain, and cherish is with her to the end. And we can know that's true, and we can trust that that is true, because Christ has ascended, and he has sent his spirit, And the Spirit reaches every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Because the gospel is not bound by any one tribe, tongue, or nation. And the Holy Spirit uses you to do that. No matter who you are, the Holy Spirit can use you to be a witness to the ends of the earth for his gospel. That's the first thing we see about the ascension in our passage today. Here's the second correction. The second correction happens at the ascension right after Jesus ascends. And the disciples, they're kind of standing in awe. They're gazing heavenward. And the angels come and they correct them. Even the angels correct the disciples. They say, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Basically, they're saying, don't get stuck only looking up. Jesus might be in heaven now, but that doesn't mean he doesn't care about what's happening here on earth. He's still vitally invested and involved, and he's still with you. He's still helping you. So here's the second point we see. The ascension means Jesus reigns not only in the spread of his spiritual kingdom, but Jesus reigns in his care for your earthly life. Jesus cares about your earthly life. He's invested. He's involved. You may have heard this phrase before. I'm sure all of you have. You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And Christian people are to be of much earthly good. We are to care about, yes, the spiritual kingdom, the mission of the church, evangelism, worship, 
but we're also to care about what happens and what we do here on earth, in our work, in our family life, in how we conduct ourselves, in our care for the common good of the people around us, even and especially as we wrestle with COVID-19. And if you think about it, yes, we are called to reach the ends of the earth. And thankfully, thanks to communication and and the internet, there's a, a way in which that's definitely possible. But if you think about it right now, your main ministry is actually the people right around you. That is your circle right now. The people that are sitting right next to you, perhaps in this very moment, your spouse, your kids, your roommates, this is your ministry right now. This is, the, this is what Jesus is so vitally invested and involved with. This is what he cares about. Please don't forget that. And because Jesus ascended, because he reigns in your earthly life now, it tells us that we're not out of sight, out of mind for Jesus, even though he's all the way in heaven. I love what Romans 8.34 says. It tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of God, which is, of course, where he ascended to. And it tells us he is indeed interceding for us. That word interceding just means that he is pleading on our behalf. Basically, he's praying for us. And then the passage, this isn't written for you, but the passage goes on to say, therefore, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors in the midst of tribulation and distress and persecution and famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. We are more than conquerors because Jesus reigns. Not because we reign, but because Jesus reigns. Not because we're strong, but because Jesus is invested and involved and interceding for your life here on earth. You actually heard this quote probably just a couple weeks ago, but it's so good I had to share it again. It's from the Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane. And here's what he says. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. I love that. I love it. It's worth hearing again. Distance makes no difference. He is praying for you. Yes, heaven is very far away. It's so far away, you can't even uh, ride a spaceship to there. You can't find it. You can't get there. But distance makes no difference. He is interceding for you. He is invested and involved. He cares about what you do here on earth. He cares about what you're going through. You know, the ascension tells us that Jesus reigns in the spread of his kingdom. And through the Holy Spirit, he uses you to bring the gospel to the world. But he also reigns in your life. And through the Holy Spirit, he continues to bring the gospel to you. And I would say especially now. There's a big way Jesus has been applying the gospel in my own heart recently during these uh, quarantine days. Priscilla and I, we're we're, we're doing all right. Uh, we're, We're making things work, working from home and We're grateful that neither of us have gotten sick or that none of our loved ones have gotten sick. But I do have to make a confession. As we enter our second month of staying at home, I have found that I've become more irritable and more impatient, more reactive to even just small little disappointments. 
And of course, Priscilla in those moments really is like an innocent bystander. And I realized that in my heart, I kept telling myself, I'm being like this because of COVID. I'm being like this because we've been stuck at home. I'm being like this because I'm burdened by just all the things that are going on in the world. That's why I'm being like this. It's because of COVID. That's why I'm irritable. That's why I'm impatient. But I firmly believe that the ascended Lord Jesus, that because he, of his intercession for us and for me, he really made it clear to me. He really applied the gospel and he helped me to see in that moment. It's not, me. It's not COVID. It's not because of uh, the, the different things going on around me. It's me. It's my sin. Yes, it's true. Of course, our circumstances can be like fuel to the fire. Our circumstances can exacerbate our sinful responses. But at the end of the day, it's still our sinful responses. And I've, I've counseled a few young married couples in my short time as a pastor. And so many of these couples have said the same thing to me. After the honeymoon phase has sort of worn off, they'll say things like this. They'll say, you know, marriage has made me a more angry person or marriage has made me a more impatient person because of my wife or because of my husband or because of my mother-in-law. I wasn't like this before, but now I am. And I always have to tell them, it's not marriage. It's not your spouse. It's not even your in-laws. It's you. That anger, that impatience, that irritability, that was always in you. There just wasn't an occasion for it to come out the way it has. And marriage just happens to be that occasion. And likewise, I can't blame COVID. COVID is just the occasion for my selfishness and impatience and even unbelief to come out. But it was always there. And the gospel not only does a good job of pointing out our sin, but the gospel also gives us the only hope for the forgiveness of sins and also a new life and a new heart to actually change, to really change from the inside out, not just to change our behavior or actions. And when we look to Jesus and when we see Good Friday, we see how he had to go to a cross because of our sins. It makes us see ourselves correctly. And we dare not say, oh, it's only because of COVID. Oh, it's only because of my spouse. It's because of my kids. It's because of my job. Or maybe you even have said this, it's because of Satan. I used to know someone who would always blame everything on Satan. He'd be late to a meeting and he'd be like, ah, Satan again. And of course, I think it was more because he was irresponsible, not just because of Satan. But the gospel comes and we look at the cross and it tells us no It's not all these other things, but it's your heart. It's your heart. It's the sin in our hearts. And the cross helps us to own up to that. But the cross also helps us to know that indeed our sins are forgiven because of a price that we could never pay ourselves because Jesus, his precious blood was shed. And in the resurrection, because we're united to Christ, even in his resurrection, we actually have hope for a new life and a new heart, that we are a new creation, that we can actually change. And then in the ascension, here's what we see. We see that Jesus is still with you. He's still working. He's still praying and interceding. And he is still reigning. And he will carry us through 
even COVID-19, with all its ramifications. The ascension of Christ also gives us a balanced understanding of the sufferings we go through here in this life. Because of the ascension, yes, we have hope and power as Jesus intercedes, as he sends his Holy Spirit. But we see there's also something else we're looking forward to, something greater, something more. And that is his second coming. The angels, they said to the disciples, don't just get stuck looking up. Jesus went up to heaven, but he'll also be coming back. This is just a little plug for our upcoming sermon series on 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians does say quite a bit about the second coming of Jesus, so you can definitely look forward to hearing more about that. But I digress. The ascension tells us Christ is present here and now in a very real way. But we still long. We still long for Christ to return. And we still do live in this present evil age as the Bible calls it. And although Jesus does reign, even now, at his second coming, his reign will be perfectly complete. In Christian circles, we call this the tension of the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God has already been inaugurated. It's already been set into motion by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension. But the kingdom of God, kingdom of God is not yet consummated until the second coming it's not fully completed until the second coming and this tension of the already and the not yet actually helps us to see suffering even in the proper perspective the tension of the already and the not yet helps us to not be surprised by suffering because we know we still live in the present evil age and we still long and eagerly wait for christ to return But also, we're not overcome by suffering because we have this tremendous resource in the ascended Lord Jesus Christ who intercedes for you and sends his spirit, the great comforter and counselor of the soul. Jesus is with us now, but we will have him even more fully upon his return. I do think our current experience these days helps us to really understand that well. During our uh, stay-at-home order, we can't go to church. We can't worship together physically in person. But there is a very real sense in which we are worshiping together right here and right now. The present evil age of COVID-19 has not stopped the numerous blessings from being poured out on our church and the multitudes of churches around us. But there is still this longing to be together again. And if you're an introvert, maybe that longing is not that strong. But I know I'm not alone when I say that. I can't wait for the day we can be all face-to-face again. I can't wait for that day when I can hear all your voices worshiping and praising God together, and not just Priscilla's voice, as lovely as her voice is. We know there is something even greater to come when Jesus returns, when the present evil age comes to an end. So we are not surprised by suffering. We even expect it. But, and we eagerly await the return of our Lord. But because Jesus ascended, because he reigns in our lives and in our hearts, because he intercedes, 
We're also not overcome by suffering. We have every reason to be hopeful, to be encouraged, to be blessed. And as we continue to reach ever-increasing circles with that glorious gospel, we have every reason to know that even death itself has ultimately lost its sting, even while we still grieve and groan on this life here on earth. Would you be so encouraged as you consider our ascended Lord who reigns on high, He reigns in his church and in her mission. And he reigns in your life as he is vitally invested and involved in all that you do and go through. Would you continue to find hope and strength in the ascended Christ? Would you continue to be his witnesses, helping the people around you to find that same hope, that same strength, and that same salvation? Let's continue to look up to the Lord who has ascended, but let's continue to look here on earth knowing that he is invested. He is praying for you. He is working in you and through you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we are not on our own. That Lord, though you left and went to heaven, Lord, that still the Spirit of Jesus Christ is working and moving mightily, powerfully, effectively. Lord, we ask that you would continue to use us by the power of your spirit to be witnesses to the world around us and to even our small circles that we're home with right now. Lord, we ask that you would continue to administer the gospel even into our own hearts as Jesus intercedes for us, as he pleads on our behalf. But we thank you for that sweet reality. And we continue to pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.